You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. It's a beautiful day, actually. But um, yeah, I start off every one of these episodes with a quote. This one's short. It's from Woody Allen. It says, 80% of success is just showing up. So just showing up and being there. So I have a guest today is a real estate entrepreneur. We're going to dive into his story and what he's doing in the real estate space. So we're going to welcome Mariusz Skoniecna is the founder of the classic value investors of microcap explosions and the creator of the value investing university. He is also the author of 11 books on the subject of investing from 2003 to 2008. He was in the commercial real estate industry as an appraiser and a broker during that 2008, 2009 financial crisis. He left the industry to start the Classic Value Investors. He started with $10,000, and by the end of March 2021, his account reached $4 million. That's a 400% return in that time period. Welcome to the show today. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, man. I got it right on the first try. Tell me your story, man. Like, how did you get into real estate? Give me a little bit of your background, and then, you know, tell me what you're pivoting to today in the industry. Okay, so... I'm kind of uh, a combination of real estate, stock market, and uh, investing in some of the public companies in the real estate space. So I started off as a real estate appraiser. Right after college in 2003, I became a real estate appraiser, then a broker. Um, That was during the time where Poor Dad and Rich Dad books came out, and I was interested in real estate, but didn't have any money. So I figured the best way to learn about real estate was to become an appraiser and learn how to value these things. So... So that that was about you know six years I was in that space, and then during that time I was looking at investing in the stock market. And uh, when two thousand and eight two thousand and nine financial crisis hit, I left the real estate industry to focus more specifically on on investing in the stock market in the micro cap space. So meaning companies that are below hundred million dollar market cap. And so over that that twelve year period. I was able to turn 10,000 10, to about 7 million during that time. And now I'm actually involved. I'm looking at you know, diversifying some of my holdings. I'm looking at some real estate properties. And I'm, but I'm also very heavily involved in a stock that's very much in the real estate space, in a real estate technology space. Uh, that is a tectonic change is happening in the real estate space. And barely anybody in real estate is even paying attention. <laughs> Which is usually what we do. Right. We did. We get so focused on our path and the next open house and the next listing. And it's one of the reasons I named the podcast Real Estate Entrepreneur so that we could think outside the box and not just go sell houses all day. Like what else can you do besides sell houses? That's great. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. I love selling real estate. It's number, number one agent in Central Texas. But what are other options? And that's why it's amazing to have guests like you on the show to really expand the thought process of these real estate entrepreneurs. So you pivot into micro cap. So some of the questions I'm going to ask you, I know the answer, obviously, but I want to ask you so we can break it down for our audience. So what is a micro cap? I know it's, it's a certain evaluation of a company, but give me a little more than that. And then why did you choose to really focus on that category? Okay. So think about micro, micro cap companies are companies with small market capitalizations. So let's talk in real estate terms. When you have a house, you, you have equity in the house, hopefully. And you have debt on the house, and then everything total is the whole the the whole property. And companies, businesses also have equity and debt. 
And equity is what trades on the stock market. The equity, not debt, equity trades. So if you add up all of the outstanding shares times the stock price, that is your market capitalization. So for example, Tesla has a market capitalization of $1 trillion. Microcap companies, I would say, have market capitalizations of different people at different definitions of $100 million. So they're smaller companies. And I choose to invest in them for one reason only. There's very little competition in that space. Mm. And when you have very little competition, then any of your effort that you put into due diligence, studying the company, your efforts can get you bigger results uh, simply because nobody else is paying attention or very few people are paying attention and you can develop an informational advantage. Mm, I love it. I love it. So how do you, I want to keep going now. So how do you set up? Cause like you said, if you just go to the Google or if you go to the Wall Street Journal or some public publication and just start reading these companies, how do you put together that search criteria to identify it? Right. And say, this is kind of my way that I look for these companies. And then once I identify 10, Here's the criteria I use to kind of get that number down, right? Well, first of all, let's think about the most prestigious stock exchange, New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ. Correct. The entire world, not just the United States, the entire world invests in those two exchanges or invests in companies that are listed on those two exchanges, the entire world. So we're talking about thousands of companies listed there. I don't know exactly the number, but if the entire world is looking at them, the probabilities of mispricing in that space are very low. Everybody knows about those companies. They're covered by analysts. It's hard to get, it's hard to get a good deal. So I don't want to look there. I want to look at secondary exchanges. And since I'm in the US, the, the most obvious places are Canadian Stock Exchange, Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, and OTC, which stands for over the market. Those are exchanges that cater to smaller companies. And like, as the name sounds, Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, Venture is smaller companies that are not mature yet, they're growing, and they might not be big enough yet to be on NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. So this is where I look at. And people use do different things to look for these companies. Like they might use certain stock screeners to say, give me a list of companies with certain parameters. I don't like to do that. I like to go straight to the exchange look at all the companies that are trading on the exchange and look at the companies one by one. So if you look at something like Canadian Stock Exchange, there's 700 companies trading there. I will look at every single one, one by one, and, and look what they do, see if I like the business. I would say 80 to 90% of them are not even something that I'm interested in because they are, they're, they're just so new that they don't even have revenues. They have nothing special. They just have a bunch of promises or they're gold and silver or marijuana or or, or mushrooms. Uh, this is not the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. I'm looking for real businesses uh, with real products, real customers, and big runway for growth. That's the kind of stuff I'm I'm looking at. So from the from the list of 700, it's easily to to narrow it down to about 100, and then from that 100, maybe you will select 20 and you study all of them and you, you pick one or two to invest in. Mm. No, that's really good. You mentioned something earlier about there's a couple stock or there's a couple opportunities out there in the real estate space that you feel like we as real estate entrepreneurs, our, our industry isn't paying attention to. Do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, what state are you in? I'm in Texas. Okay. So 
Uh, and you focus on residential real estate, I assume? Uh, residential, commercial. So I kind of do it all. I sell former ranch. I sell luxury homes, but I also buy multifamily and do neighborhoods. Shit, I'm in everything. But yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Peter Lynch, a famous, famous investor, said something like this in the past, that people have uh, certain advantages over Wall Street. So if if you're a doctor, you have an advantage because you you work you work in a particular field and you might see that a particular drug is being prescribed to patients and you can see that way before it shows up in the financial statements, way before Wall Street finds out. And that's true of all kinds of industries. Whether you sell cars or manufacture something, you have advantages that you could take advantage of, but most people don't. So now talking about real estate, there's something happening in real estate space that that is absolutely huge. When you buy uh, a piece of property, a residential property, uh, you have to get a title insurance. <clears throat> That's just one of the things that the lenders require. And title insurance is, is a scam. And some very major publications even wrote about it because regular insurance, uh, monthly pay, you make a monthly payment and insurance companies collect premiums, but they pay out about 80% of those premiums in claims. Mm-hmm. They price their policies based on probabilities, and that's just how it works. In the title insurance, you make a one-time payment, and it depends on the state. Some states, it's 1500 Some states, it's 1% of the purchase price. Uh, title insurance is controlled by individual states. But you make a one, one-time payment, and those insurance companies or title companies or whatever, uh, the premiums that they collect, they only pay out about 3 to 5% unlike 80% in regular insurance. So it's literally like a scam. The, the, the insurance companies steal money from real estate folks, real estate people. So the transactions are too high. And uh, so there's this company called Voxter, V-O-X-T-U-R. That is a publicly traded company that I own shares in. Spell and the that. ticker symbol is V-X-T-R. Spell that About again, brother. Spell that again. Voxter, V-O, like V like Victor, X-T-U-R. Okay. And the ticker symbol, it has two ticker symbols because it's trades on Toronto Stock Exchange Venture and OTC. So the first ticker symbol is V like Victor, XTR. And then the second ticker symbol is VXTRF, like Frank. And uh, I have a YouTube channel for those that are interested. Type in my name to YouTube and you'll find my YouTube channel. And I have a playlist of 11 videos explaining exactly the whole company. Right now, I'm just going to explain one division of the company. So about three years ago, Voxter was, started working with the regulators saying that the title insurance you know, is not effective. We have a better product, a better product, meaning attorney opinion letter. But nobody's going to use an attorney opinion letter until an attorney opinion letter is approved by Fannie Mae. Because as you know, in real estate, when... Uh, Lenders or mortgage brokers originate the loan. They originate the loan, and then that loan gets sold in the secondary market to Fannie Mae or whoever wants to buy it on the secondary market. Well, those loans, in order to be sold on the secondary market, they have to comply with the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac guidelines. It has to be A, B, C, D. They they have to check all the boxes. So until until Fannie Mae says yes, attorney opinion letter can be used as an alternative to title, it's it, it's a no go. Well, on April six which is like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, Fannie Mae uh, issued new, gu- new buying guidelines. It was like a, a thousand page report. On page, I believe it was 902, Fannie Mae approved turning opinion letter to be used as an alternative 
to title insurance. And it was a major te- tectonic shift in the title space that hasn't happened for 75 years. And what's so incredible about this is that, so you, you have two products. You have a attorney opinion letter that will cost about $500 versus a title insurance that could cost anywhere between $1,500 to $5,000. Now, Voxter has a patent, an attorney opinion letter combined with the data. So in other words, what they have is a process that takes the opinion, attorney opinion letter, and attaches it to the mortgage. And then that opinion, attorney opinion letter, travels with the mortgage through the, through the entire life cycle of the loan. So in other words, when the loan gets sold in the secondary market, it just travels with it and the process is patented. And so that product is being released like as we speak. And there's four states that are participating in it first. And Texas is one of them. That's why I asked you about where, where you're from. So now- what are the other, uh, what are the other three states? Texas. I think it's Pennsylvania. I don't remember exactly which ones, but mm-hmm. big ones, big mm-hmm. ones. But I know Texas is one of them. And then the rest of the states are going to follow, uh, you know, at the end of the year. But the title companies are panicking right now because this is obviously going to disrupt their business uh, in some way. We don't know. We don't know how much market share attorney opinion letter will steal from that regular title, but. It's pretty safe to say that it's going to be some kind of market share because if if you're the lender and you are you know putting out a loan out there, you're competing against other lenders and you can't really compete on interest rate because everybody has the same interest rate. So the only thing you can compete on or differentiate yourself is on the closing costs. Mm. And title or attorney opinion letter is one of the the one of the items. So if you have a lender, Wells Fargo, saying you know, we can offer you the loan. Our closing costs are, you know, fifteen hundred, and the competitor is three thousand. They're obviously going to gain market share from from their competitors because a mortgage is a commodity. Mm-hmm. You don't really care who you get the mortgage from as long as you get a good rate. So I can see how attorney opinion letter will get market share. And considering that Voxter has a patent on it, they are the only game in town. And also, what the Voxter will do is Voxter is taking that product and they will white label it to all the title companies that want to do it. So I'm sitting here knowing this information, have a position in Voxter because Voxter is probably going to go up 10 to maybe 15 times my money when Wall Street learns about this or when those numbers start showing up in the financials. And and I only know about this because I used to be a real estate appraiser. And when I saw this, I knew exactly what was going on. But uh, I'm telling you this because you're in real estate and I doubt that you heard about it. Man, I, there's not much that gets by me in this industry. And um, I've heard of some other alternatives to title, but I haven't never heard of this, man. This is the first time I got to give you credit. So when did Voxer actually found the company? How long has it been around? And I just want to put this out there because this is very important for me and Mario. D-Y-O-R. Do your own research. This is not financial advice. This is not financial advice from either one of us but do your own research. All right. Just want to put that disclaimer out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and as a, as a, as a, you know, help with your due diligence or beginning with your due diligence, I suggest you watch my videos, but don't use my videos as the only due diligence. Correct. Um, uh, so to, to go back to your question. So Voxter was born out of a particular need. And remember how I said that Voxter has many different divisions. So Voxter has an appraisal division. They have a foreclosure division. They have a title side. 
tax assessment division, and now they have this attorney opinion letter division, which is really part of title. Mm-hmm. But uh, the company uh, was born kind of like a compilation of uh, databases and companies to to address to address the appraisal problem. Uh, because Voxter, at first, the name of the company was I Look About, and I Look About was a Canadian company that was in the tax assessment space, and a gentleman named Gary Yeoman, who who founded two major real estate companies. One is the Altas Group, and the other one, uh, he was a founding member of Real Matters. He was a, a consultant to I Look About four years ago, five years ago, or something like that. And that company wasn't really going in the direction that, that he thought was the right direction. So he came in, he put in, he put in $2 million of his own money, and he became the CEO of I Look About. And he started compiling, the, uh, acquiring, and putting together different companies to first address the problem of the appraisal. Appraisal is a bottleneck of the real estate transaction. It's pain in the butt. It takes forever. It puts a lot of stress on all the parties involved. There's not enough appraisers. Uh, The average age of an appraiser is about 60 years old. They don't know how to use technology very well. Most of them are white. Very few people go to the appraisal industry from college. I am the exception, but most of the time, it's the second career. and so. For the appraisal to be such a bottleneck, it literally slows down the entire closing closing time. Mm-hmm. So he he was uh, acquiring various databases of information and ver- various technologies in order to speed up appraisers. And now that he's put this company together, major institutions like, for example, United Wholesale Mortgage (UWM) mm-hmm. signed up with with Voxter. Because UWM, what UWM did, they changed, they created what's called an appraisal direct instead of going through AMCs, appraisal management companies, which were born as a result of the 2008-2009 financial crisis, UWM created um, appraisal direct. And that's what they called it, appraisal direct. And most people in the real estate, even the ones that are using UWM, have no idea that the backbone of that appraisal direct is Voxter. Mm. Voxter is the technology behind that. Because Voxter has the best best appraisal technology, it's kind of like an operating system of connecting all the appraisers and then the lenders all together. And instead of sending appraisals through with PDFs, they have it all kind of like an operating system, kind of like Windows in a way. So now the major, major uh, companies are signing up on this platform and it's absolutely revolutionizing the appraisal space. And it's going to get better and better and better because at first, Voxter just had a platform. And now because they have all the databases, what they're doing is they are feeding or injecting all the data to the appraisers so that if, you, if you're an appraiser, you, have, you start an appraisal, they will feed you comparables, pictures, uh, assessment data, everything so that your appraisal is done, 90% done before you even started it. And then all you have to do is you have to do adjustments. Uh, you have to make a judgment call. And uh, so that will speed up the appraisal process, the appraisal time. And it will, and eventually it will bring the cost of the appraisals down significantly. And cost of appraisals is another major thing that Fannie Mae and the, and the government is working on because the closing costs of the real estate transactions are too high. And they are too high because of the appraisal and they are too high because of the title. So Voxter is really the solution 
to the government on both of these sides. And Fannie Mae in December did a study uh, saying that for the low-income Americans, the closing costs can be higher than the down payment, which is completely ridiculous. Uh, so the government is aware of it. The Fannie Mae is aware of it. And they're working on a solution. And they are passing various different laws. Like recently, for example, they passed a law that a desktop appraisals can be used for purchase transactions, where before you had to have a full-blown appraisal with appraisal coming to the uh, inspect the property. Now they passed the law that desktop appraisals can be used for for purchase transactions and and finance transactions. And this has a major implication for a company like Voxter, who is a technology to make appraisers faster. Because if if you have to do a full-blown appraisal, then only 20% of your work is on the computer. The other 80% is going to the property, measuring the property, talking to the owner. So if 80% of your work is wasted on driving and talking, you don't really have a very big incentive to improve your technology. But if now you can do everything from your office, you don't have to inspect the property, you can do a desktop appraisal, then now all of a sudden 100% of your work is on the computer. And now if you don't use technology, if you don't adopt a better technology, you're going to be uncompetitive. So now you have this incentive to get on Voxter platform and get on any platform that can technologically help you. So that's how that's how um, Voxter was born out of solving the, the problem. And then eventually Voxter or iLookabout at that time uh, merged together with Voxter and then it became Voxter. And Voxter was a title company that had that AOL in the process. So Gary Yeoman uh, merged those two companies because he already saw that eventually the AOL was going to be approved by Fannie Mae, which of course happened on April 6th. Oh, that's good, bro. It's a lot of information. My question is, before we pivot, with you being an appraiser, is that why you honed in on this company? Do, and, and then the next question to tie me into too real quick, is there still opportunity there or is the cat out the bag? Where is it at price per share now? Right now, it's, um, it's about, depending on if it's US price or a Canadian price. Yeah, so it's price. about, 125 Canadian and about a little bit less than a dollar uh, US. It's very early stage, even though even though the stock is already up significantly over the last two years, barely anybody is paying attention to it. It's, it's such an early days. There's still a lot of room left. And also right now, everybody's freaking out about recession and the housing crashing and all that. So there's so much negativity that uh, the stock is actually selling off, even though even though this tectonic shift happened on April 6th. At first, the stock price ran from a dollar to dollar seventy within three days, and since then, it's been pulling back because of the fears about the world and everything. Yeah, with the Ukraine and Russia and interest rates and supply chain issues and lack of inventory and all the BS that's going on. Yeah, no, no, it's it's crazy. But yeah, man, I'm a I'm a, I'm gonna dive into that. My last question is, who is their competitor? Because, you know, you get these fintech, prop tech type companies, just like Uber ended up having Lyft and the list goes on of the comparisons. Who do you feel like is now saw this company and is also trying to solve this appraisal and title company problem? So they do, at this point, they don't have a very many competitors that that have even close to the technology that they have. Because if you think about a, a real estate space in general, and you ask people on the street, real estate, everybody's like, oh, I want to go and sell real estate. I want to be an agent. Not too many people 
uh, know the little things of like, oh, ha- what happens in title? What happens on, on the appraisal side? And the same thing is with the technology. So, so much money in venture capital goes into trying to figure out how to sell homes online, Redfin, Open Door, and not too many uh, companies are on in the back back office operations like Voxter is. And then the, the companies that have some kind of technology, like for example, Mr. Cooper had a valuation technology. What ended up happening, Mr. Cooper just sold the valuation technology to Voxter because Voxter was so superior that they just gave them this technology so that they could become a client of the more established platform. And the, also the platforms that were trying to solve the appraisal problem they were trying to solve it from the point of view of a lender. Mm. And Voxter solved this problem from the point of view of an appraiser. The, plat- the evaluation platform that Voxter owns co- is called ANOW. And ANOW was founded by an, a third-generation appraiser that saw how the entire operation of appraisal was just pen and paper. And everything was so outdated. And all the appraisers just learned how to use a computer yesterday. So he put this whole system together from the appraiser point of view, and it became just the most successful platform. And when UWM signed up for this platform, UWM is known for being uh, technologically advanced. So they, they were not able to come up with this platform on their own. They instead chose the platform Aina, which is owned by Voxter. So that's on the appraisal side. On the AOL or the title side, that's where the patent patent for the process comes in. And right now, Voxter is the only game in town, but probably within two years, they will have a competitor. And this is why Voxter wants to take their technology platform and white label it to the title companies so that they have the technology from day one and they don't have the need to develop their own platform. So then Voxter will be able to provide the AOL through their own title company where they will get 100% of the revenue or, or they will get indirect revenue, like a 50-50 split by white labeling te- the technology to title companies. So indirectly, they will be able to get more market share like this, and they will discourage the development of a competitor. No, that's good. Man, that's really good info. Last question. What's the ticker for the U.S. or NASDAQ? Is, are they on the, the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ? Not yet. So I would say within a month from now, we, we are recording this on April 26. I would say end of May or June, they will be on NASDAQ. That's awesome. Awesome, bro. Well, let's pivot, man. So I got this one section. It's called coming in hot. It's for really quick questions and we try to make it fun. We'll do a race. We time you. And I'm gonna answer. I'm gonna give you five questions. You answer them as fast as possible, with one word or one answer, and then we'll we'll, we'll get you we'll get your time. Cool with that? Yeah. All right, man. So when I ask it, I'm asking you. So all right, first question. Ready? Yep. Go. All right. So do you have a college degree or no college degree? I do have a college degree. What was your first your greatest challenge as a child? As a child? Yeah. What was your greatest challenge as a child? I, how do you find child? What age? Uh, 15 and under. So what challenge did you have as a kid? Hmm. I didn't have very many challenges as a kid. I had many challenges after the mm. age of 15. After I came to the U.S., that's when the problem started. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. 
What was your first attempt at entrepreneurship? So when you started your first business? That's, that would be as a child. I, I was collecting bottles from everywhere, construction sites, uh, empty beer bottles, empty milk bottles, and I was selling them back to the stores. That was my first entrepreneurial endeavor. Love it, man. And what was the worst entrepreneurial advice you've ever received that somebody's given you? The worst advice? I never got an entrepreneurial advice. Okay. I just figured it out on my own. There you go. Who is the one person who made this, the biggest impact on your career? Warren Buffett. Love it. You are a minute 29, my brother. All right. Minute 29. Not going to win any gold medals, but it was good answers. So let's pivot to a couple more questions. You got time? Yeah. Awesome. So when you look at the industry, in which you've really probably spent most of the time answering this question, what's the one thing in our industry that the real estate agents, brokers, and builders should keep an eye on? What would you say that is? What's the one thing that people aren't really paying attention to? I think you might have hit it already, but if you had another one, what would that be? Oh, another company in the in the space? Not even the company, just like an idea or and it, it may be this this real estate technology that you're talking about around appraisals. Do you feel like that's the one thing that real estate agents and builders aren't paying attention to? You know, I think that what the real estate professionals are not paying attention to, it's the same for all entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs get divided into I'm either running a business, I'm creating and growing a business. They know everything about that, but they they usually don't know anything about the the stock market. And it's really the same. If you understand business, if you understand how to grow a business, what makes a business successful, you could absolutely kill it in the stock market space. But we have this huge disconnect. People that know how to do business, they don't know anything about the stock market. And people that know about the stock market, they don't know anything about business. And they just look at charts, read news, draw graphs. And there's this huge disconnect. Mm. So really merging the industries. I like that. That's a good thought. See, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know much about the stock market. Mm-hmm. I know about businesses. That's, all, that's what I do. I study businesses. I try to understand how businesses work and how they solve problems. I don't look at graphs. I don't look at projections and all this stuff. I don't listen to CNBC. It's nonsense. I just study the businesses and how they solve the problems. And if I'm successful at this, I will be successful at investing. Love it. So you don't have like metrics that you look at when you're looking at companies like, hey, it's got to be this. It's got to be that. You just kind of have a, a flow and you study it. And is it solving a big problem? You know, is it? it- well, the, the, the metrics is I, I, I pay attention to the revenues. Obviously, I pay attention to the company's profitability or future profitability. And I want to make sure that I don't overpay for, for the company, just like I don't want to overpay for an apartment building. There's a certain range of values, you know. If we're talking about something like Voxter, for example, and I, I look at the AOL, which is attorney opinion letter, I think they can make a minimum of $100 million per year in net income from that. So then I'm like, okay, what is that worth? I think it's worth about $5 billion or, or $3 billion. Okay, what's the, what's the market capitalization of Voxter today? $600 million. Okay, $600 million versus $5 billion. I think I'm getting a good deal. Yeah. How do you translate that $600 million evaluation in your mind to a future evaluation of four, five, six billion, three billion, whatever? How do you translate that to a price per share where it's like, okay, if it's at 75 cents or it needs to be under $2, do you have a formula that brings it all the way down to price per share? Right. So, so if, I, if I think that 
Boxster is gonna is gonna be worth you know five to ten billion dollars in three to five years, then how many shares are gonna be outstanding at that point? I'll make a projection. Oh, you know, maybe six hundred million shares. So then I I take that six billion divided by six million shares, and it gets me a ten dollar ten dollar stock price or something like that. And then I look at what the stock price is today, and uh, it, that's that's where I see the upside. Yeah, there's your margin. Love it. Thank you for that wisdom, bro. So when you think about all the things that you're doing and that you've done, time management is always an issue for real estate entrepreneurs. What do you feel like is a good wisdom nugget that you use? What's the secret to good time management? You see, when it comes to investing, it's so different than running a business. Because when you're running a business, you hustle. You hustle, you're busy, you get clients, you make phone calls, you have meetings. The the time management is more important. When you invest, if you want to be successful, most of the time you have to learn how to how to sit on your butt and do nothing, <laughs> because activity is the enemy mm-hmm. of investing. Wow! Uh, the way I'm I'm investing, because if let's say I invest in your real estate company, you're the one running it. I'm not going to mi- micromanage you. So the hardest, uh, you see, that, that's the hardest transition for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs understand businesses and they could take that knowledge and make a lot of money in the stock market. But they can't make the transition of learn how to sit on their butt and do nothing. They have to constantly be moving and doing something. So then they tend to trade, trade in and out because they, they feel like they have to occupy themselves. The hardest thing for money managers, no matter what their IQ is, is to sit on their butt and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's good wisdom, bro. That was deep. Hell, we can close on that. I got more questions, but that's, that's good, man. So what's your moonshot? That means... This is your one dream, your one goal that no one thinks is possible. But for you, it's like, hey, one day I'm going to do this or be this or create this. What's that moonshot for you personally? I really like helping people, you know, uh, with the finances and investing. But for my, my personal, for next goal is to be worth $100 million. There you and go. then after that, a billion dollars. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, um, you know, there's a chart that's, it talks about net worth and, you know, it's the millionaire, then it's the Penta millionaire, then, which is 5 million or more. Obviously millionaires, 1 million or more. Penta is 5 million or more. Deca is 10 million or more. And then Hecto millionaire is a hundred million or more. And then you jump from Hecto to billionaire. So you're going to do it, brother. I'm proud of you. We always have our guests on Real Estate Entrepreneur bring a book that they recommend. You obviously brought this book why are we so clueless about the stock market? And I think there was a dude who wrote it. I'm not sure I know his name, but I'm just joking. So tell me, <laughs> why, tell me why you suggested this book and, and, and tell me what it's done to help people. Well, that's my book. I wrote this book. Yep. And uh, I guess I always have the passion of sharing, sharing this knowledge of investing and explaining it in a way that people can understand. That's I, I take the pride in being able to make uh, take complicated subjects and make it understandable to somebody who's never who's never invested before love it love it no man go get the book so final thoughts i want you to leave our audience with your final thought and then where can they find you if they want to get to you the the most important skill that i would suggest for people to have is to learn how to think independently Mm. and not have to get the approval from others to be able to make certain investments whether it is to invest in a particular piece of real estate or invest in a particular company through a stock. You don't need anybody's approval. You can think on your own. That's why you have your head. That's why you have your brain. You can 
develop your own conviction and you don't have to ask for permission. Love it, bro. Where can people find you, man? Take my name, type it to YouTube and find my YouTube channel, subscribe to it, follow me. And um, I would say that's the best way. Well, man, thank you so much for the wisdom, bro. Let's stay in touch and uh, appreciate you being on the show, man. It's really good wisdom. And that quote that you said, activity is the enemy of investing. That's deep, man. That's deep. That's deep. I got to go chew on that. So <laughs> I got to go chew on that. So thank you. You, again, make, bro. you make money by sitting, not doing in, in investing. I love it, brother. Thank you again, yeah. man. Appreciate you being on the show. Okay. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 